welcome to the Property Doctor Podcast with your host, Dr. Andrew Threadgold. If you're looking for a podcast with inspiring stories, industry insights, and discussions about entrepreneurship, you've come to the right place. Remember, if you want to follow what Andrew is doing, you can find him at Cornerplot Properties on Instagram. For now, let's get on with the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Property Doctor podcast with me, your host, Dr. Andrew Threadgold. This week, we continue our entrepreneurial theme with another entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Now, James Gardner is a business owner and a mentor and a multiple business buyer and a deal maker that I've had a, a, a lot of dealings with. And I've got an awful lot of respect for this chap. He, he comes with enormous credibility from building his own business to exiting and then buying into other businesses and building a group himself. So there's an awful lot of valuable lessons that I'm sure we'll uncover today whilst we talk to James. But first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here. Yeah, wonderful. And that, that, I didn't big you up too much there, did I? It sounded great. It sounded really nice. So yeah, no, thank you very much. I'll try and get my head out the door when I leave. <laughs> Fabulous. So I I know your background um, that you, but correct me if I'm wrong. So you you went to university and then came out of university quite early, and then ended up doing some manufacturing thing. Take me through a little bit about your background, if you will. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I, I'm. Uh, I'm I'm now I'm now a proud university dropout. I probably wasn't that <laughs> proud when I dropped out um, early days in in my sort of late teens, early twenties. Um, but I went to university to study uh, business economics at the University of Hertfordshire, and it just wasn't for me. It was something that I uh, tried, and I just wasn't academically bright enough, and it was just a real struggle. So I, I set one of my first goals. Actually, I love setting goals, and one of my first goals was to. Uh, in three years time, which was going to be the length of that degree course was to be earning as much as I would have done as a graduate, but I would have had three years worth of work experience along the way, which Mm. my peers at university wouldn't have had. So that was my first goal that I set uh, around the age of 19. And uh, very pleased to say that I achieved that first goal as well. Can you remember what the the income target was? I think it was, I'm just going back now because it was probably how many years ago, 20 odd years ago or more. <laughs> um, but it was something like, what would it have been, uh, around 20,000, maybe 21,000, something like that back in that day right. um, for a university graduate uh, coming out of uni with um, uh, uh, you know a, a standard university degree. And uh, like I said, I, I, I always knew I wanted to be in business, didn't quite know what business it was. So I studied business at college before university and did a GMBQ in business studies, which I really enjoyed. And I've always sort of been working. And I think that was installed in me from my my parents and my grandparents. My grandparents, after the war, uh, they ran a market garden to locally to where we are here in Kent. And my summer holidays was uh, helping out around the garden centre and watering plants and um, planting up new uh, seeds and uh, picking fruit and veg and strawberries and things like that when it was in season and helping granddad with the customers. I can vividly remember, um, you know, taking plants to the the uh, people's cars and different things like that. And and just looking back now, it was an, it was an idyllic childhood. You don't realise at the time, you think that's just normal. Uh, but seeing how they interacted with people and uh, just sort of it seemed like it was a nice, friendly business. 
they worked really hard was the reality of it as most yeah. business owners do yeah but it was um it was a lifestyle business for them they worked and lived there and uh, they made it uh, their kind of life and legacy really but very proud to, and privileged to have that as my early years and that's stood me in good stead to want to earn some pocket money when I was little mm. and started out uh, on my journey quite young doing that yeah fantastic I think somebody said to me when I was, well, they said to my parents, actually, when I was eight, show me the child at eight and I'll show you the man at 38 um, in terms of the work ethic, you know what I mean? Mm. And that's always stuck with me because I, like you, when I was a kid, my dad used to send me off stonewalling with the local stonewalling guy. And then when I was 13, 14, he used to be director of HSS hire shops. Um, So he'd have me going converting engines and generators from diesel to gas and things and i just learned you know and you just you just crack on don't you You just it's it's about having you know that if you if you want something you've got to work for it really um so what was the uh, what was the job you were doing to earn your 20 odd grand back then um so so what i did is i kind of went full circle really so one of my early days jobs my second job uh, a part-time job was on a weekend was washing cars and that was for a local business it was a funeral director business in our local town and i'd wash the hearse and limousine on a saturday morning and i became friends with the owner and over those period of years from about the age of 14 when i started doing that um, all the way through to sort of university uh, when i actually turned around to him and said could i leave university and come and work for you full time and learn to be a funeral director mm. and he said yes and we and um, we started on that journey together and that role there quickly became apparent that I wasn't really going to be able to grow anywhere within that business. It was a small family-run business. My name wasn't above the door. There was a general manager who'd been here for a number of years, and I was just learning my trade, but I was a young man and an ambitious young man at that. So after about a year or so, I kind of I, I, I left that role because I wanted to do more and try more. And uh, the grass is always greener when you're in your early 20s and you think, you know, that uh, – Uh, there's more out there for you. So I wanted to explore that. And I went up to London for a couple of years. I worked for HSBC Bank for a year Mm. and then Connex Southeastern, the train company in their HR department for a year as well. And at the end of that second year, my brother, my eldest brother, got two brothers. uh, My eldest brother contacted me to say, um, I think I want to start a business with which was what he was doing in the manufacturing world in plastic manufacturing. But he didn't want to leave that role at the time. He um, was married with two young boys and it was quite a risky move for him to to do that. But I was young and footloose and fancy free and uh, could uh, take that risk. Back in those days, you could quite easily get another job, you know, if it didn't work out. And um, 20 odd years later, you know, we'd grown that business from my sister-in-law's dressing table uh, all the way through to a a multinational business with our um, business here in Kent. We had a site here in Kent as well as in the USA as well. We set up our own business in America in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and grown that to a point where uh, a large American company wanted to acquire us, but also keep us on board as well, which is what happened. Wow. Okay. And was was you being on board part of the deferred consideration? Was that how that worked? It, it was. Yeah. There was. Um, we was done it slightly differently. So uh, there was um, a lump sum on day one, which is what we both wanted. Um, we weren't really ready to sell. Um, we, I think, we arrogantly told them that they couldn't afford us and um, <laughs> that kind of thing. So uh, the the price was very high, and uh, one of the conditions was that every team member, every uh, every member of staff across both sides of the pond, got to stay on and keep their jobs if they wanted it. 
which they agreed to. And they also wanted us as well to stay on. There wasn't uh, anything contractual about that. It was a gentleman's agreement. And my brother stayed on for about um, four or five years and he retired at the grand old age of 52 uh, and is still still retired now. And uh, I meet up with him regularly and, and uh, still have a great relationship with him. And I then took over as MD of that business and ran that for uh, about three years until I started my own acquisition journey. Wow. That's that's amazing, that multinational as well. I mean, there, there must have been an awful lot of uh, growing pains with that, which we'll come on to later on. I want to, I want to segue into that in a bit, but let's, let's go full circle then. Um, so that the listeners can hear how, how that we can complete the circle. So when you started your acquisition journey, what happened? So yeah, I I kind of had got to a midlife crisis point. I think I turned uh, forty, uh, and I just thought, do I want to work for another company? They were really great, still are a really great company, um, but do I want to work for them for another twenty five years, get a gold watch and a nice pension, or do I roll the dice and try and do something else again? And I was just thinking about what it what it was that I could do. I really didn't want to start my own business again from scratch just because of how difficult that had been in, in the early days for us doing that and how long it had taken to get to a point where it was you know, paying for itself and um, being able to take on people to help and things like that. So I was looking about other options. And then I'd stumbled across uh, one of your other uh, podcast guests as well, Jonathan Jay, mm-hmm. and uh, read his book and listened to his podcast. And then a very fateful thing happened. On the 31st of August 2019, he was running a competition for four people to win a seat on a private jet trip over to Europe and back in a day to hear and speak at an event in Europe. And I was one of the lucky four to be able to spend the day with him and the other guys uh, to be able to um, ask him any question we wanted to. We spent the day together. It was great fun. Uh, first and last time I've been on a private jet. Uh, <laughs> it's the only now. way he travels, I believe. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember a little segue. I remember coming back from that, and the next time was on a, um, a Ryanair flight to France, and it wasn't quite the same. But um, <laughs> a lovely experience. And, again, the whole day just asking questions and hearing what the other guys were asking as well and his answers. So I came back from that trip and and was just so inspired to do something. And then just spent the next sort of six weeks really thinking around what business did I want to acquire? And I didn't want to do certain sectors because that wasn't really my thing. I didn't want to do the manufacturing sector because I'd done that. And I thought I want to challenge myself here a bit as well. I didn't want it to be that easy. And then a phrase kept coming back to me. The phrase was, there's two certainties in life, which is death and taxes. And I didn't know much about taxes apart from paying a load, but I did know about uh, death and the funeral profession from my early days of washing the cars all the way through to being a trainee funeral director after leaving university. So off the back of that, I came back and I contacted uh, my friend who I used to work for and said, can we have a catch up and a coffee? And that was in mid-October 2019. So he agreed and we I came around for a cup of tea and a coffee, uh, catch up, and we had a conversation. And I was in the back of my mind just waiting for the last question that I was going to ask him. And that, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, that question was, um, he was 62 at the time. <clears throat> Sorry. All right. He was 62 at the time. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm not sure if you're ready to retire or not. I don't think you've got a succession plan in place. Um, but whenever you're ready to sell the business, would you give me first refusal on buying the business? 
And he turned around there and then and said, I think I'm ready now. Wow. So a real serendipitous moment being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal. And so I believe that from from that point, the the um, there was a deal struck where you uh, acquired the business, took it over. And then since then, uh, have you d- d- just run that one or have you acquired other funeral directors or how, how has the process evolved since then? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So because that deal sort of just went so well and um, we were able to uh, sort of come on board and work with the team that was there at the time to to grow that and to, you know, do some other things that the team members wanted to do as well, um, we wanted to continue that journey. And one of the things that I said I'd never do, we did, which was to open up a new new shop and a new business. <laughs> it was a sister business to the first one, the first acquisition in a town just along from us. And kind of you grow geographically with funeral directors. Uh, so we did that one to grow the, the market share that we had, but also to protect other people coming into that area. And that was during lockdown. So that was interesting time as well. Um, and that's kind of a 10 year project really before it will start to, to pay for itself. And that's why buying businesses is so much easier mm. and better than um, um, than starting from scratch. Yeah. So we've done that. We've also bought other uh, funeral directors as well and um, uh, and grown our, again, our presence in the funeral world by doing that, which has been great. And to take on new team members uh, and to help in other areas and, and help families in other areas of the country as well has been fantastic. Yeah, that, absolutely phenomenal. Really inspiring stuff, actually, um, because as someone that's that's um, under your tutelage, trying to do the same it's it can be very very challenging um as you know i mean recently i've been in a, a little bit of a, a funk about it because of the few of the things that i've been doing have turned to be very very difficult to to try and progress and and when you've invested so much mental energy and physical efforts to travel to places i mean that we're not to, we're not we're told not to travel to meet people they're supposed to come and meet us but you know sometimes you, when when you you're trying to do something you can invest so much mental energy into it and for someone like myself that's i've been through an awful lot of trouble difficulty in my life but i've always whatever i've turned my mind to i've always managed to get sorted out um and when i look back it feels like it's probably easy but i'm sure it wasn't at the time but when you've put a lot of effort into something and it doesn't happen and then you've got to go again and then again and again it's really difficult so on the mindset thing i mean you presumably you're not superhuman even though you've done amazing things what's your stance on this then because you must have been through some difficult moments absolutely and 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 the reality is that everybody has you know for for one degree or another and uh, being an entrepreneur, being a, a, a deal maker in terms of acquiring businesses, you're kind of pushing yourself more than the average Joe in in terms of putting yourself out there and and testing your mind, uh, you know, mindset and your mental health as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's about preparation for me. It's about preparing my mind and my mindset and my mental health. Um, they 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 start to calling it mental fitness as well, which is another sort of play on words. And I think it's. Um, interesting because we've all got physical fitness and if you want to get fitter you'll go to the gym and you'll you know you'll work out or you'll start walking or running or cycling or whatever else it might be so the the mental fitness word isn't isn't a bad one I think it's um it's okay and 
there's ways of improving that. There's ways of improving through breathing exercises, through meditation. Uh, and again, it's interesting. Looking back sometimes is a, isn't a bad thing to do. I have this phrase and it says that I'm better than I was six months ago, but not as good as I'm going to be in six months time. And that just keeps you learning and growing and developing. So through reading lots of books and listening to books in the car, uh, podcasts now such as this one here as well and others where you can just hear what other people have been through as well to be able to see what they've overcome. And it's interesting that all, not even some, but all of the successful or wealthy people in the world have all had to overcome different things and and continue to do that as well. So even though we see their, potentially their Instagram page of all looking nice and shiny, the reality is that that's not true uh, all the time. And they'll, they'll tell you about that in their autobiographies and their stories. So I've taken great strength in learning from others. Mm. Uh, I'm the youngest brother of three. I've got two older brothers uh, who are 10 and 12 years older. So there's quite an age gap. And that's really stood me in good stead. As a family growing up, we didn't have much money. Mum and dad worked really hard. um, But I didn't necessarily know that we didn't have much money because we had so much love. And that continues to this day. And that has been a real solid foundation for me, especially later on in my life, to realise how important that is. And we're trying to impart that now onto our children as well, um, to be able to to, to show them uh, that you can get through things. So we talk about it a lot. Communication is so important in life mm. uh, in, and in business as well. And I just, again, it's it's... I'm better than I was six months ago. I'm better than I was six years ago. I'm better than I was 20, 30 years ago. Um, but I can't want to continue to work on it. I'm, I'm, I'll never get there. It's a constant work in progress. And mm. I enjoy that as well. And, I, mm. and now I'm privileged to be able to look after people in our team. So part of what we do here is that we have a, a wellness program that we've signed up for where we physically all go to a workshop every other month and we also have a live one-to-one coaching counseling session once a month every other month as well um, for our team members because of how important that is uh, there's again different levels of mental health and depression and anxiety and it's just everywhere But because there's still a stigma around it, it's getting a lot better, um, people tend not to talk about it. So we're really open with it. And we say that, you know, everybody should have at least once a year uh, a physical and a mental health check. We take our cars to be serviced and MOT once a year, but we don't do that for ourselves, which is Mm. just crazy. So Mm. we're really passionate about that. We put our money and our actions and our time for people to have that time off during work to be able to do that. And it's just fantastic what's happening um, within our own team doing that as well. And I hope other companies start start to do that. That's really impressive, actually. Um, I've, I've never heard of anybody doing something quite so uh, person-centered within a business. as uh, I mean, maybe once a year, but certainly not as frequently as that. I, I mean, in, in medicine, that's that's absolutely, you know, massively lacking that kind of thing, you know, you just expect it. There's a whole culture of put up and shut up, stiff up a lip and just crack on and accept whatever workload you get thrown at you. Whereas there should be something like that, really. Um, and I think it's starting to come in, but it's certainly not anything to that level. And that's really forward thinking, I think. So 
when it comes to things like stress, for example, because you, I mean, mental health mindset, the, the, there's a, the, the, the parallels really. And, and when you can be under a, a significant amount of stress, it manifests itself physically. So some people actually can physically feel when they're stressed. Um, you know, it might be that you're struggling to meet payroll, or it might be that you, you need money for, the business some capex and you don't know where it's coming from or something like that have you ever been in that position where you've, you've you know that you've been stressed yes yeah and again that's where the learning takes place um so for me my achilles heel is my larynx so i would get laryngitis if i'm starting to be run down or feel run down right. uh but more than that when in those moments of extreme stress and i, I can think back to those and uh, that one of the acquisitions we were uh, doing, there was there was a week of it, and it was just around funding. So it was around finances, and it was around the smallest part of the funding in this whole deal. And it was again that lack of communication, and the goalposts kept moving for what they were trying to do and accomplish. And we'd give them all the information they wanted, then they wanted even more, and we've already had it. And it just was, it was getting to the point where the deal was going to collapse unless this happened by Friday or whatever it was. And <clears throat> I can just, I was I was pacing for the first time in my life. And I was just remembering just, again, that feeling of, of stress on, on your body, which is just not good, not pleasant and not good as well. And I've had that a, f- a few times since. And again, it's, it's around people and it's around finances typically for me. I'm mm. sure it's other things for other people. But, um, you know, trying to look after our team, uh, and 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 the families that we're privileged to look after as well, uh, and then again paying for all of that uh, as well whilst we're going through all that process. But have you got any learning points from how you manage that? Then is, is there anything that you do that you might be able to share that other people might try to help them through those times where you overthink and you can feel that you know that you lie awake at night and you just can't get it out of your head and you catastrophize and. You know, all the stuff that I'm sure we all do, you know, but most people, certainly like some business leaders I know, would never admit to it. Um, But they must do. Do you know what I mean? They must do. Yeah. And any business, you know, has always got its challenges. There's a a quote by John C. Maxwell, one of the great authors in in leadership. And he says, as a leader, you never get two good days in a row. So if you're getting a good day, enjoy that one because something will happen tomorrow. And you know what? It's not far from the truth. So (laughs) what I do with that, and again, I'm still learning this process, but the things I've learned and the things that I've implemented that I'm happy to share is again, it's around physical and mental health. So and I and and again, it catches me out because when I get busy and stressed, I I stop doing this thing that I know helps. Right. So that thing is to go to the gym, and I'm an early bird, so I go to the gym six o'clock in the morning when it opens. I do a half hour workout in the gym, something cardio probably for me, and then the more important part is I'll do a half hour um, sort of mindfulness workout in the spa area in the hot tub area. And part of that process is breathing meditation. So I do five rounds of, of, they call it box breathing. So I breathe in for five, hold for five, breathe out for five, and then hold for five. And I do that five times. Mm. And then after that, I do three rounds of 7-11 breathing, which is breathing in for seven seconds and breathing out for 11 seconds, not holding in between. Mm. And those two things really just help to calm me down. I then just prepare the day in my mind. 
manifest different things that I'm thinking of as well and just processing things that have either happened or that might happen during that day. So there's some practical things that I do on a regular basis to be able to help both physically and mentally prepare for the day. And as I'm getting a little bit older and a little bit wiser, uh, it's just around taking your time more. As a younger man, I'd have been very quick to make decisions and maybe they would have been right, maybe they wouldn't have been. But now it's just, you know, letting the uh, the moon go around the, the, the earth one more time or something, sleeping on it and just biding your time a little bit more uh, to be able to make some of those tough decisions as well. Mm-hmm. And sharing those tough decisions with trusted people. So one of the things that we've done within our businesses is to form a senior leadership team and really proud to promote people within the business into those positions and to help and train and develop them as leaders as well. And just gradually adding to their list of responsibilities uh, and utilising their knowledge as well to be able to share some of the things that I'm going through and the old adage of, of a problem shared is a problem halved, and and that does help. And it just gets that team sort of bonding even more. Mm, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, do you find um, there's a couple of things in that, really? One is uh, I'd love to know some book recommendations, and uh, but we'll come back to that. But the other question that really sprang to my mind was um, journaling. Do you think journaling helps? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Uh, uh, and again, it's one of those things that I know works. I know it helps. Does it? Uh, right, I don't journal, the, you know. It's one of the things that I, I, I sometimes drop, you know, because it, I'm just too busy. So often when there's a problem, I kind of try and tackle it head on and try and just get on top of it. And I, and again, I know when I'm not in that crisis moment that just still going to the gym and doing those things, journaling, writing your goals down every day is something else I used to do. Mm. Uh, and even short-term goals and long-term goals and just writing them out and, and journaling and writing is so sort of therapeutic and helpful uh, as well. One of the things that I've done, again, I don't do this as often as I should, is called thinking time. And it's just taking your, taking yourself away somewhere quiet with a pad and a pen and just writing down what's on your mind. It's not a to-do list. It's just thinking about the future, where you might want to be, different ideas and plans. And it's just so, you know, amazing for clearing the mind and and helping you to uh, focus on the future as well. So all of those different things, skills that I've learned through books I've read or uh, recommendations from people that I've heard or mentors that I've had as well. And we are talking about mentorship earlier. And that, again, has just been so valuable to me. Some mastermind groups. Um, I've been a Vistage member for a number of years. And that group of peers and other people around me that have gone through those same experiences, it's really helpful and healthy to know you're not the only one Mm. going through and experiencing those issues. And then also to have people around you, trusted people that can advise you on what they've done or what they would do in that situation. Mm. So mastermind groups, mentorship and coaching, just vital to growth and also keeping you grounded uh, and keeping you, you know, in, in in a good position coming forward. And there we go. Another fantastic guest in the first half of what I hope you will agree was a very entertaining and enlightening insight into how someone like James works. Don't worry, though, we'll be back next week with the second half of the interview where we'll get his book recommendations and learn lots more about him amongst other things. All right, all for now. Take care and see you next time.